Welcome to New Money. I'm Brian Hirsch. This evening, we're once again focusing on financial planning. Research in South Africa indicates that most South Africans do not have a comprehensive financial plan. They tend to buy both life cover and make investments on an ad hoc basis without ever really understanding where each of these pieces fit into their long-term financial objective. This has resulted with most having insufficient life cover to provide for education and future living for families in the event of premature death. They also do not have enough to be able to retire on in comfort. And joining me this evening is Daryl Bennett, Wealth Advisor of Sassfin and Lisekha Monaring, Director of KLU Wealth and Legacy Planning. Lisekha, Daryl, thank you very much for joining me. Right. My first question, I'll put it to you Lisekha, is how important is it and how do you get a plan that's been so ad hoc to become congruent? How do you actually bring all those things together? So I mean that's a very important valid point that most people actually don't have a comprehensive plan. So I think it's a, it, you know life changes so nothing stays the same. The best advice is to actually touch base with someone a professional to sit with and actually check what's changed, what's happened, how does everything fit together and once you've actually got a plan in place it's then easier to monitor and to adjust as and when life happens. But you certainly need to give it the first you know, sit down, have a look at everything, discuss all the personal issues, you know, be honest with yourself and lay a proper foundation. And then it's easier to monitor as and when um, things change. But you definitely need to sit down and do it. Because, Daryl, uh, that's really the problem in putting that financial plan together. People have bought out, you know, I need a bit of life cover. Someone comes to see them, you buy a life cover. You buy a disability, you buy a disease, then you buy a retirement fund. Then you make investments. And it is so important to pull those pieces together. And then that is the role of a financial planner. And, and so many people try to cut out the financial planner and try and do There's even a book, How yeah. to Do It Yourself. I mean, yeah. you know, I was talking to a dentist and telling him a story about, you know, coming to a dentist and trying to fill your own tooth. But how do you pull that all together? Sure. Yeah. Well, it's a good question. Yeah. Listen, it starts with putting objectives, goals and strategies in place. But uh, even before that, perhaps one needs to ask for a referral. You know, it's the same as if you want, if you need to go to a doctor. You don't just open up a book and see, search for a doctor. Yeah. One should speak to one's friends or colleagues at work and get a, a reputable, certified financial planner that somebody works with because it is a business of trust. So that would be the, the, the starting off point. Secondly, once you are engaged with that planner, uh, one needs to paint the picture. It's like painting the picture on the canvas or looking at a jigsaw puzzle. You know, one needs to put the pieces of the puzzle together and understand the narrative, understand the story of that person, mm. where they are, where they plan on going to. Uh, do they plan on getting married, getting divorced, having children, immigrating? And once one has pieced it all together, then one can put a plan in place. So the starting point is, because as I said right at the beginning, people have this ad hoc plan. So get hold of someone that can take all those pieces and see how they fit, because you really want it, want it to be very congruent, the financial plan. How detailed should it be, Daryl? Well, it depends on the mandate. It depends. Each, each person has got different circumstances. It depends on where they are mm -hmm. in their life. Are they a young 20-year-old couple who's starting off in their first job? Are they elderly people who are perhaps going to uh, retire or looking to retire in the next five or six years. So it depends where they are in their life stage. And Liseko, the steps. I mean, we talk about the first step in financial planning, probably the cornerstone happens to be your will. Mm. Make sure you've got a will. And so many people in South Africa don't have a will. I've got an interesting email and we'll deal with that a bit later. But then it is to make sure what we call the peace of mind solutions, the life cover, the disability, the dreaded disease, mm. all those things. Then it's the retirement planning. Mm. And in between, 
people have a need for short and long term and medium term monies. Absolutely. And what I often find is actually the cash flow, the budget. You know, so most people will say, This is what I desire, this is what I need. But if you actually look at the day to day, you know, understanding the, the life the lifeline of the expenses of the family, what is it that they actually spend money on? Um, you know, how does it how do the expenses match what they actually need? So like with life cover, I mean if you don't understand what is it that you're covering, how do you come to that amount that you actually need? So for what what I usually spend a lot of time is actually understanding the budget, the expenses. Where do they spend money? How do they plan to account for some of the expenses in, in future? So a lot of the time needs to be spent understanding the budgeting, the cash flow, and then you get to the goals to make sure that you cover every aspect. And clients often what they really desire and what actually is the truth, there's often a mismatch as well. So we spend a lot of time, you know, synergizing what actually is the real, you know, what is the risk in that family? What is it that they need to be aware of or what is it that they're not aware of but usually it's, it's you know it's a journey to get to the full picture but it's a beautiful place once you've understood and you've seen the goals and you've set the objectives in 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 paper and it's it's better to achieve them like that i mean that part the budget i mean so mm -hmm. many people budget on a monthly basis don't realize that during the course of the year i mean things happen all the time absolutely the emergency expenses mm -hmm. things you want to suddenly do presents, give all these type of things that, that people sometimes leave out. And I mean, we've just been through, I mean, majority of people haven't been paid since maybe the 10th, 15th of December. And <laughs> I think they're looking forward to this coming week. <laughs> it's been a long six, seven Absolutely. weeks. And a lot of debt may be incurred in, the, in December over the Christmas period, even bonuses that were meant to pay off debt. So budgeting is a critical part in that financial plan. Absolutely. And uh, as Lesecha was alluding to, I think one's got to separate the difference between wants and needs. And it's important to to start off with the risk planning. One of the one of the aspects you left out was healthcare planning. So yes, you need money for emergency funding, for life cover, for disability, but also for healthcare. And as I say in in in, in layman's terms, or to explain to to clients, it's our job to take a piece of cotton wool and then take a titanium belt and strap them in that belt. So whatever eventuality or any risk happens to them, they're covered and they're protected. Well, we're going to take a break. You can also call us. We've got a new number, 011-483-1518. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back to New Money this evening discussing financial planning. My guests are Daryl Bennett and Seca Monaring. And if you'd like to call us, remember the new number 011-483-1518 or you can email me on brian at bdtv.co.za. I've got an email from Anonymous at the moment. She says, I have four children and I've lent two of them money. In my will, these loans must be deducted from their inheritance. Is it common to charge interest or present value the loan? It's a mm. complicated question. I suppose yeah. it, it depends what's drafted in the will. Yeah. I mean, mm. most of the wills I've seen 
if you advance money, mm. it is that amount. It isn't present valued or interest. And, and, and your view? Yeah. I mean, what would you say? Um, let, let's talk about not a large estate. Let's talk about a, sm a state, but small amounts of money going to children. Would you present value that? No, I wouldn't present value. Yeah, usually it's just a loan amount and it's kind of standard. But it's interesting to see what legislation will have to say about that, you know, with especially with interest interest free loans that's now been that's been looked at. So it's interesting to see how they will treat, you know, the loans to the to the family, especially with large estates. But I think common practice is to leave it as it is. No, it's gonna be quite an interesting budget, isn't it? I mean yeah. you know, where they're gonna raise their taxes from and uh, we're gonna mm. talk about that later. But just going back to that question, one must also make sure there's liquidity in the estate. Never mind the loan. You know, there might be fixed assets or there might be properties but no liquidity, in which case assets would need to be sold off which might not be the intention of the exe of the uh, mm. testator. So, if Caroline, good evening. Would you go ahead with the question, please? What would the impact be of me taking early retirement five years sooner than my retirement date? Interesting one, Caroline. Thank you very much. Five years prior to retirement date, which means your capital's got to last longer, your retirement fund is going to be less mm. than what you estimated, and with inflation and longevity, it's a real, a, pro a real problem if you start taking early retirement five years prior. Because a lot of that fund growth is in the last five years. Well, the compounding effect comes the last five years. So, mm. it, it, look, it depends if, one's, if she's going to be drawing from the fund, then she's going to be on the back foot. But if it's going to be preserved and if there are other assets or discretionary investments, then it's okay. But I wouldn't draw down from it. Second, when you talk about retirement, you think about it. I mean, someone retiring at 65, let's assume they really started saving from 35. Mm. They could be saving for that 30 years, but that money's got to last a further 30 years. Absolutely. It's a real difficult one, you know, with, as I said, with inflation and uh, longevity. But there's an, another factor mm. that people always forget, and that's behavior. Mm. How do you behave with your money? Mm. You get this amount of retirement, you work out, I've got enough money to last you, and then you start buying a new car, and you do an alteration, and you lend your children money, or give them gifts. It's real problem behavior. Absolutely. And I mean, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that retirement is cheap. You know, suddenly you have all these hours to, to yourself, and you have more money to spend and you you know you develop hobbies so life is very different nowadays so it's not as just you know you sit at home and you do so what tends what people need to take into account is that expenses actually do increase um, over the time because you've got more time to spend now so you go into the mall more often holidays um, are, are things that to take it so retirement is something that you really need to plan and be very strict with yourself when you get to that point to say you know, have a serious sit down, understand your plans, your costs, what is it that you need, and especially don't leave it to the last minute because all those things will have a major impact when you are there. Terrell, why people, and let's just talk about the two components, why people underinsured when it comes to life cover and other benefits? And why isn't there enough money? We've been educating the public now for years about saving for retirement. Why is it not happening? I think from the insurance point of view, it's got such a, a negative connotation and it's, 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 it's perceived as a grudge purchase. Also, one needs to find a balance in marrying the affordability with the risk. So, you know, advisors have got fancy calculators and, and you can extrapolate needing in the event of somebody passing away that the widow needs that money for the next 40 years. And w once you've capitalized it, the amount could be a little bit severe as far as the affordability is concerned. 
So one needs to, 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 to kind of find a balance and marry, and marry the need with the risk. As far as, far as saving is concerned, I suppose it's, uh, as who was it, Oscar Wilde said, the youth is wasted on the youth. People don't realize when they're young enough that they must start saving. They only realize when they get a little bit older. As you alluded to earlier, it's a behavior thing. It might be a behavior or an educated um, um, aspect. Mm. Well, Stuart in Maloney says, I've left my retirement savings too long. I'm 56 and what should I be doing? Well, we don't, so know. We don't yeah. know how much he's got, but let's yeah. assume he's got very little because a lot of people don't have very much when, you know, w mm. because, as you say, they've, they've dipped into their savings every time they've changed a job. They haven't preserved their retirement savings. They don't, save, they don't know how much to save. Now, you talk to anyone, everyone's got a retirement fund, member of pension fund, but there's no correlation really between how much they're saving, how much is in their fund, and ultimately how much you'll need at retirement. Yeah, I mean, I was just saying, Stuart, you know, one of the things that you will have to consider is working for longer. So I don't know what the agreements with their employer is, but that's the first price. So push it, you know, if it's 63, push it as far as far, so you are going to have to work longer. And one of the things that you're going to have to do is also try over the next five, ten years to increase your contributions to as far as possible so have a look at your budget whatever you can cut now just you know work on that and try really increase your contributions and um, one of the things that they have to look at is also the, the growth aspect so if you are going to push it by another if possible by another 10 years nine years then have a look at what kind of growth strategies um, that you have in place obviously you know because you're not it's n you're not planning, you know, to die at 65. You need to have a growth element in, the, in that in that planning. So a lot of retirement people are very conservative because of that. But given the fact that you know we've got to maximise on what you can get, I would really look at having a proper looking at the structures, what's in your retirement, and just try maximise his savings. And I mean, and the other thing is going to have to reconsider his expenses after retirement date. So if he can't retire, if he has to retire in four years he really will have to adjust and look at the kind of expenses. And the real big problem is mm. today corporates are forcing you to retire at a due date. That's I mean if thing. you think of you know the different industries yeah. people are saying when you get to retirement we may keep you we may give you a contract on a yearly basis but uh, retirement is retirement you know mm. years gone by you just carried on working now it's, it's, it's really changed. Geraldine in Cape Town says why should I have a world do I not do I not do not all my assets automatically go to my husband and children? Well, Geraldine has got a will. Everybody's got a will. You've either got the will with the state mm. or you've got your own personal will. <laughs> so if she's got, <laughs> thinks she doesn't have a will, she's got a will with the state. Uh, and in which case then one would die intestate and the, and the assets are, are divided up in equal parts between uh, one's spouse and their children. This is, it's just going to take longer. To, mm. to wind up the estate. It will just take longer yeah. and it will be more painful for the one that you're leaving behind and uh, the admin of having to deal with the master's office and getting letters of executorship make it very onerous. And there's even a bigger problem there because if you've got minor children, you, you know, there may be assets going to that minor children, but they're going to actually be managed by the guardian truck, the guardian. And the problem with that is the interest is very low. So it's important to get away. Get that message across to people. To, uh, even if you draw up a simple will, I leave everything to my husband, I leave part to my children, kept in truck. Rather do it because at least you then know where, what's going to happen uh, with that money. Grant in Santon said, should I have life insurance for my non-working wife? Lisecha, I'm going to mm. leave that with you. Yeah, I mean Non-working wives play a big role. 
they do. I mean, working yeah. wives play even a bigger role. Absolutely. Well, if he doesn't have it, then he, she might have yeah. to go to work if he passes away. So with non-working uh, wife, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I understand Definitely. the importance of the wife and yeah. looking after children and drivers. And it can impact on your career. I mean, mm. if a company actually is, if, if, if you know, not that they're going to say it openly, but if a company has got certain executives and one of them really is running around and having to spend time making sure their children are okay, it could impact on your career. And mm. so to have some cover. And what about dreaded disease? Mm. You, know, give, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, I think if there's debt, it's important to have dreaded disease. I know some people think it's a moot point, but I think definitely if there's debt, I mm. think uh, one, we, we die either from an accident or from a dreadful disease. Mm. So uh, it's important to have dreaded yeah, disease. I mean, I, it, it's, uh, exactly. So I would say, you know, it depends on the dynamic. So I'm sure she is adding value, even though that you might not see financially, but there will be some impact. It might be small, but you need to calculate to say, if in the event that my wife is not here, what are the things that like you said, that he would have to run around, sort out, um, you know, the expenses, the looking after the children, all those things that will come into play that he might not be, um, that might not be obvious. So I would definitely have, have a look at it. And also, also I mean, you might want to take time off work as well. So you want to heal and all those things. So, uh, Robin Jansbridge says, what steps should I take to fund for my health care in retirement? Well, that's a good, that's a good mm. question. You know, basically mm. people can't retire because their health care costs yeah. go up exponentially in the latter part of their life. So I think it starts off by having a, a fund for emergencies or for uh, catastrophe or having a little bit of a fund for that. And, and uh, working with a healthcare consultant, Brian, working with a, with a, with a registered professional healthcare consultant that can go through the minefield of the different medical aids and the different plans and to see that the best plan suits that person at that point in their life. Yeah, it's a difficult one because healthcare costs have been rising. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. the cost of the medical aid today, a fully sure. comprehensive medical aid, husband and wife, something in the order of between eight and 10,000 Rand a month. And, and, you know, previously you used to get a full tax deduction. You don't get that any longer. Well, we're going to take a break. You can still call us on 011-483-1518. We're talking you and your money this evening, and we're discussing financial planning. Stay tuned. Welcome back to your new money this evening. We're talking financial planning. If you've joined the show, hope you get some benefit from it. My guest this evening, Leseko Monering, and Daryl Bennett and Bruce and Durbin says, when do I move my premiums that I'm spending on life insurance to retirement savings? So in the earliest part of your life, you're going to be spending a lot more money protecting your family. When do you reach that Rubicon where you don't need as much life cover and more of that money should go to retirement saving? And unfortunately, when you reach it, the power of compound interest falls away because let's say in the last 10 or 15 years you can reduce your life cover and your premiums and put it more into retirement savings. You actually want to do that, mm. put more into retirement savings when you're younger 
rather than them when you're older. Absolutely. And I mean, um, uh, Brian, the thing is, that's why it's so important to have actually have a check every year. Have mm. a look at what you have, what don't you have. So the idea is that, you know, the life cover should be covering your debt, your expenses, the, you know, the, the dependents in the event of your debt. So it's, it's not a, an X number that just kind of grows exponentially over the years. It's something that ideally should reduce over time. So this is why it's important to have a look at if you've paid off a bond, if you've paid off an expense and you don't need, your kids are grown up and you don't, they're out of school and they're more independent, then your life cover should be reducing. So the ideal situation is that you don't leave it till the last minute and just keep on paying exponential premiums. So it's, it has to be, your life cover has to be linked to the risk in the estate, to the risk in the event of your death. Um, so it's something that you need to monitor and hopefully as and when you pay off debt and you pay off expenses and you become more financial or, or, and you're building up more assets, you should be reducing the life cover. So it's, it has to be a balance. How do you see that? Lesecha is quite right. I think the, the, the pertinent point is that one needs to do an annual review. Mm. Kind of like a pendulum or scale. You know, you start off with no assets, so your life cover's up here. And while you're building up the assets, so you should be reducing it. But it's not a a magical number or a point in your life. If one's doing planning on an annual basis and the markets go up and the markets go down and the and debt may go up or down, that's where it gets assessed on the annual review. Well, Peter Santon says, how different must my financial plan be when investing for income rather than growth? Very different. Mm. I mean, you know, we start off saying take more risk, be more growth, um, growth, growth, growth assets rather than, but when you're looking for income, then it's, I need the income and you want certainty, security and certainty. And that's the difficulty. You know, you start taking risks with income, markets fall. So it's a very different type of portfolio. It's very yeah. difficult. It's, one should still work with a strategy to have a targeted return above inflation. And it should be a mix of, of, of the different asset classes. And if it's in a living annuity, for example, one should ring fence the amount of money that needs to be paid for the annuity on an annual basis and keep that in an income fund. Yeah, I mean, it is a good question. And the reality is, like you said earlier, we are living longer. So you can't have a pure conservative income producing portfolio. You actually do need a little bit of real return in excess of inflation because the reality is we don't really know for certain when we're going to die. So we do need some growth, but it needs to be, a, you know, a strategy that you're comfortable with in terms of understanding the potential risk. If this happens, if the markets do this, how will it affect your portfolio? So you do need to have, you know, especially in, in retirement, you need to watch it more closely and actually be very involved in an understanding what you're trying to achieve and be comfortable with the potential risks. Because people um, always say I'm going to downweight closer to retirement. Let's have less risk, not realizing mm. that now I've got no earning, no earning potential yeah. after retirement. I've now got that amount of money that I've retired on. Mm. That's got to see me through. Yes. And not only is it going to see me through in terms of income, but maybe in the years to come, I'm going to have to eat a bit of capital. Correct. Got to do those calculations. Exactly. Now, what's got to do effective cash flow planning in that as well? Mm. Nigel Randberg says, how do I calculate how much life insurance, treated disease and disability I should have? Let's talk firstly about disability. Daryl, cover your <coughs> Okay, income. well disability, first of all, there's income protection, which is would pay on a monthly basis. And then you've got a lump sum that normally pays a capital amount. The life cover, they're normally tools that one can work with um, ascertaining how much money he would need to leave his widow in the event of his death and for how many years and then capitalize it and say that money would be conservat conservatively invested and then get a capital amount and uh, that would be the life cover. 
Terrell, you can break it up into three components. Mm -hmm. You can say, cover my debt, I know exactly what that is. Cover education costs, do the calculation, and there are many products today that will provide for education. And then the balance is, how much will you leave taking into account an inflation rate and all the things you need. So it's the third component that's a lot harder, because one doesn't know what inflation is going to be. And in retirement also, if you're not working and don't have debt, inflation is much higher than statistical inflation. Mm, correct. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to also measure it each year, when one's expenses are changing each mm. year. Well, Natalie in Port Elizabeth said, is it more sensible to make full use of the 27.5 deduction to an RA, or should I split this amount and invest a portion into other investments? I think for me first, I would I would encourage the maximum because it, that's the the tax um, implications are very you know significant. But at the same time, if all you've got is the 27.5%, then you don't also want to be only have retirement assets which are compulsory and are not as flexible at retirement. So you actually do want to have a look at, you know, what is your affordability? If you can do 27 and a half and still have a little bit left over to invest in a discretionary investment vehicle, that's ideal. If all you've got, let's say it's 5,000 or whatever the case is, and that's your 27 and a half percent, then the wise thing is to split it and have some retirement assets and also um, have some discretionary assets just to help you in your retirement in terms of of liquidity but in term but in terms of maximizing I would if you've got if you can afford it then I definitely recommend it for the D tax benefit Daryl because you because you know your retirement pe pe benefit is fully taxable so, so you're going to pay that last bit at your highest marginal rate so if you're looking at purely from a tax perspective you know if you want the cash then pay the tax okay if you don't want to pay the tax well then use the retirement fund Lillian in the sense is, what can I do to expedite a tax refund due to my contributions to an RA which my employer never factored into my salary? And what should I do in the future? If you've got a retirement annuity, tell your employee, employer, because you can actually, in your PAYE, you can actually calculate to get that tax return. Because today so many people are trying to get refunds. They've got right refunds due to them because of RA contributions and it's taking time to get that refund. Yeah, but they should mm. also get the tax certificate from the from the insurer. The insurer will have the certificate for the contributions into that RA. And then give it to the employer. Or either give it to, to the deal employer, with give, it to, give it to the receiver. To or give to it to the, the receiver, yeah. yeah. But how do you expedite a, re a refund? I mean, it's so difficult to get a refund today from me. It takes time. It takes time. Mm. You, yeah, it takes time. And it's, I mean, record keeping is very important. If you don't have your things, it takes even much longer. So I would wait over, even if you're not getting the rebates at retirement, you must have your records. Keep them for as long as you need them because, you know, it will help also. Well, a financial plan should incorporate peace of mind and maintaining lifestyles in the event of death and disability. The second thing is to attempt to create financial independence and retirement. And three, to need to provide for both short-term and medium-term financial requirements. And all of these have to be protected by a current will or a trust. It's an ongoing process and my advice to viewers is to ensure that all your parts of the jigsaw puzzle are congruent. I'd like to thank Daryl Lasecha for joining me this evening. It's important to note that our program is to provide information and should not be construed as advice. Next week's program will focus once again on short-term insurance and if you need to get hold of me, my details will appear on the screen. I'd like to thank you for watching and good night.